Powerball. Yeah, a lot of money there. Everybody betting on it, hoping that they will win. It's interesting, as uh, the pot goes up, the odds, of course, go even further down. <laughs> but everybody shows up like, I can be a winner. I can do it. I just got to try. And I think it's just people saying, I want a better life. I'd like to do all the things that one man talked about. Of course, we know that a better life is not found in money, but it's found in a relationship with God. Today we're talking about the blessed life. And today we're going to be talking about the blessed test. The blessed test. Here's a dollar bill. Now, I understand Powerball is $2. But, uh, you know, if I took this dollar bill and used it to buy a Powerball ticket, it would just be a waste, right? I was giving money away. But if I invested it in God's kingdom, that would really bring a lot of great things to me. God promises me that. That's what we're talking about today. Our relationship to God in regards to our financial resources that He's entrusted to us. Let's first look at Matthew 6.24 and then we'll go back to Matthew 6.19-21. Just a little review of what we talked about last week. No one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. It's one of those verses that really kind of rattle you, right? What does that mean you cannot serve both God and money? Well, last week we were talking about idols of the heart. Now, we don't have raven images, uh, pieces of wood or metal that we worship, but we have idols of the heart. For example, maybe it's your hobby. That's your number one thing in life. Or maybe it's uh, going on vacations. Maybe it's uh, something uh, you are are trying to do in terms of forwarding your career. So all your time and money and investment goes there. So what happens is we should be having God as the first priority, but these idols keep coming up in our lives. And really, it's a daily battle in our hearts to keep God first. Because all of us, again, have those idols. What are your favorite idols to go to? When when you're going through a tough time or something you really want, what happens is, is your heart turns toward the idols instead of toward God. So that's why we need to continue to relentlessly be aware of where our idol is. And it's the first priority in our lives. Because that's what he demands. Now let's go back to Matthew 6, 19-21. We talked about this last week as well. Do not make yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. 
Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not steal. For treasure is there your heart will be also. So we're not supposed to lay up treasures on earth. Now, what is treasure? This context is talking about financial resources. But also it can apply to the time that you give to God, the way you serve Him, your your thoughts, your effort. Those are all your treasure. And where are you going to put your treasure? Thank you. Where are you going to put your treasure? Are you going to spend it here on earth? And of course, that's not a good option where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Your treasure here on earth is not safe. And it will be gone the day you die. But if you lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal, that's the best place to make an investment. In God's kingdom fund. (laughs) Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, these are difficult things to, to teach through sometimes. But again, I'm doing it for your benefit. Because God wants your heart. God wants all of you. God wants you to wake up every day. And the thought is, I'm living for God today. That's the most important thing that I'm doing. God wants you to grow. God wants you to flourish. But again, Jesus talked a lot about money. And the reason for that is that our heart so easily follows other things, and then our treasure follows it, instead of laying up treasures in heaven. Let's go to the next verse. Now, I thought about this and the idea, okay, you know, God rewards us. When you talk about laying up treasures, it's always been kind of a, well, yeah, lay up some treasures in heaven. I have no idea what's going to happen. (laughs) Well, we should be thinking about that, right? There's like 40 different motivations to be holy. God knows that we need motivation to be holy. So you search through Scriptures, 40 different reasons. And one of them is that you will get a reward in heaven or rewards in heaven. This is just not clear to us. But as we study Scripture, we see that people uh, receive crowns for things that they've done. We see that uh, they're given certain leadership positions. In the future, new heaven and new earth. We see that a person's joy is greater. Their satisfaction is greater. Those are the kind of rewards we're talking about. We're not talking about going to Thornton's and buying the eighth drink and having it be free. Now, I do enjoy that. There's this little party going on there. Jody Filer works there, and uh, she takes care of me. But... um, uh, I drink a lot of pop. I'm into hot chocolate. But, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's great when you get that free one. But I tell you, friends, we have got to understand 
what it means to lay up treasure in heaven and how God will bless us in heaven. Now, I can't say this, this, and this, but again, if God is going to reward you, He's not going to give you a free soft drink. Right? Amen? He's going to give you something much better. We're not sure what it is. But think about the blessings in this life. Triple that. And maybe you'll get an idea. We really have to kind of creatively think through it. And say, yeah, when I give my income that God has told me to steward uh, to God, uh, I'm going to be blessed. I'm laying up my treasures in heaven instead of spending those financial resources here on earth. One of the best passages that illustrates this is in 1 Corinthians 3. Paul writes, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So if you have become a Christ follower, you have the foundation of Jesus Christ, His righteousness, His work on your behalf. And He will carry you into eternity. That's the foundation. But it's interesting here. If any man builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, his work will be shown for what it is. Because today it will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. Now, this is a biblical truth. That one day we'll stand before God and He's going to say, I, I saved you by grace. Well, how did you follow me on earth? And we'll have to report in on our lives. And you see here, there's two different types of people. One uses a foundation of wood, hay, or straw. That's what they build on this foundation. Wood, hay, and straw. That's a person who is continually serving the idols that they have in their lives, things that are far above the importance of God in their lives. But it's wood, hay, and straw. It doesn't mean much at all except for a momentary experience. But those who say, Lord, I know you saved me by grace and not by my works, but I just want to serve you. I want to love you. I want to worship you. I want to be with you and know you. I want to bear fruit. I want you to use me to put grace into people's lives. Now, if you do that, then you're having gold and silver and costly stones. Now, when the fire comes, what's going to happen to the wood, hay, or straw? We've gone a moment, right? But gold, silver, and costly stones will remain. Let me go to the next verse. If what he has built survives, he will receive his reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. Himself will be saved, but only as one escaping through the flames. That is a great imagery, isn't it? And it gives you a whole different view. Now, we're not saved by our good works. And we're going to heaven. And that's good enough. But God says, if you serve me, if you follow me, if you sacrifice for me, you're going to lay up treasure in heaven, which is going to be rewards in heaven. 
Now, if you waste your life, it's going to be wood, hay, and stubble. If you're just a casual Christian, you keep God there. You're a Christ follower and everything, but you're always worshiping other idols, idols of the heart in your life. That's wood, hay, and stubble. But if you continue through the Spirit, ask God to empower you to put Him on top, to worship Him as the true God. You're laying up treasures in heaven. I'd encourage you just to meditate on that sometime. What are the rewards that we'll get? Well, they're going to be really good. I know that. Everybody's going to be happy in heaven, joyful, all that type of thing. But some are going to experience a greater blessing because of what they did with their time here on earth. They will receive His reward. We go to the next verse. Galatians 6, 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. You know, life uh, life is long. The older you grow, the shorter it seems. We have a lot of time here on earth, typically. And life is so daily. And I know there are people here who are struggling. Uh, you're depressed. You're overwhelmed. You're having a relational battle going on in your life. You have financial troubles. And maybe you just feel like God forgot about me because nobody's noticing me for anything. We like to be noticed, and I'm not getting a lot of press. <laughs> you know, I'm just working this job that I really don't like, taking care of my family. Serving God? Well, here's the thing you need to remember. You need to always have eternity in your heart. You need to be looking forward to eternity. That's the way we should wake up. We should have that mindset that, okay, I'm here on this earth and it's okay, but I'm going to heaven. That is just the warm-up. And when you start thinking in that way, that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, thousands of years, billions of years, zillions of years, right? It's like, wow, this time on earth is really, really short. And when you start to have an eternal perspective and instead of an earthly perspective, everything changes. Problems that come into your life, yeah, they're painful, but if you put it in perspective, and I'm struggling through this for a period of time, or maybe all my life, but someday I will be free, and I will be with Jesus. And we don't tend to think that often about that, and that's why I continue to remind you about that and remind myself, because life does not satisfy, but, and we'll never truly be satisfied in this life. Because this is a sinful world, right? Our, our soul cries out to be satisfied, and God does satisfy our soul, but only true satisfaction will be found in heaven. You say, well, 
I have to die to go to heaven. I don't want to die. I don't want to die either. <laughs> so as I look at future years, I just have to trust God. He's taking care of me now. He'll take care of me in 10 years, 20 years. And really, I just have such a hmm, intense passion to grow even closer to God. Because as you age, uh, things fall into place. And you realize you need to lay up treasure in heaven or you need to grow in God. So it doesn't matter what job you have. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what you're going through. The key thing is not to give up. Because you can live a nondescript life over 80 years and go to heaven. And if you have served God, if you have made Him number one, you are going to be rewarded. And that's how we need to think. Right? It's beautiful how God blesses us. Let's go to the next slide. Now, this is charity giving trends, how people give to charity. 3.1% to charity. That's your average for household in the United States. 3.1%. Now, if your income is below 10000 it's 5.2%. And if your income's over 200000 it's 1%. What's going on with that? It doesn't make any difference. The less you have, the more you give. The more you have, the less you give. Yeah, it's pretty typical of human behavior. It's easy to tithe when you don't have a whole lot of money. Uh, but when you get up there, you say, well, you know, I mean, I've taken care of God. Everything's good. I'm not going to give that much anymore <laughs> because it's a big amount of money. But again, God wants your heart. He does not want you to worship money and the things that it can bring into your life. Go to the next verse. Leviticus 27.30 states, Every tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the trees, is the Lord's. It's holy to the Lord. This is talking about tithing, giving Ten percent to the Lord of your income. Now, I know for some of you are saying, you're crazy. Well, I'm not crazy. God's the one who said right? Yeah, every tithe of the land. So he's talking about the crops and the trees. That belongs to the Lord. So as you look throughout the Old Testament, what you see is the Israelites... They were constantly reminded to put God first. Every time they had a crop, they brought the best of the crop first. And they gave to God first. They gave a tithe. Or if they had livestock, they would bring uh, a sheep, some other type of animal that was required to fulfill the tithe. And they would give it to God. So they're constantly reminded over and over and over again, you first give to God. We go to the next verse, Exodus 13, 2. Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever is first to open the womb among the people of Israel, both of man and of beast is mine. 
Now, this is the firstborn principle. So if you have a sheep that gives birth, well, that particular lamb, that's going to be taken to the temple. That's going to be sacrificed. And that way, a person is reminded, God gave this to me. God manages has everything. God, I, everything I own is God's. So I, I'm just giving a tenth back. If I came out there with ten, $10 bills, and I came up to you and said, I want you to manage this, my, this uh, portion of my money for me. Do whatever you want. Just whatever God leads you to do. But there's one thing. I want you to give me $10 back. For what? <laughs> he gave me 100 Now Again, typically you would do that because you know that I own the money. And the problem with Christ followers in giving is that they believe that they own the money. It's theirs. They earned it. They worked hard for it. They're a self-made person. But it's not your money. God's money is given to you in order that you might manage it. And he says the first step is to give me 10%. Let's go to the next verse. This is a blessed test. I will give God, this is my promise, I will give God my first and my best so He can bless the rest. Isn't that true? You give your first and best to God. And He's going to bless the rest. Now, if you don't give to God, He's not going to bless the rest. And I think we all could use some blessings in our financial lives. Again, God gives Back, uh, R.J. Letourneau, who invented earth-moving machines. Uh, he, of course, had a lot of money. And he gave 90% of it away. 90% of it. And he said, you know, I keep giving to God, but I can't catch up with Him. Because every time He gives, He gives back. And he has a bigger shovel. You know that? Have you experienced that in your Christian life? That God has a bigger shovel than you and you put in and God blesses you back. Have you experienced that? Anybody? Amen? Yeah. Right? I mean, once you really commit yourself to putting God first, amazing things are going to start to happen in your life because He will honor your Obedience. So bless the rest. Go to the next verse. Romans 5 8. But God shows his love for us in this that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Do you realize that God gave a tithe? God gave his firstborn. Now, Christ has always existed, but it's the idea that he gave his first and his best in order that we might walk with him. He tithed for us. Even more motivation to tithe for him. Go to the next verse. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all you produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty. And your vats will be bursting 
with wine. This is something we see throughout Scripture and in the New Testament, that if you sacrificially give, God is going to bury you in blessings. Not necessarily financial blessings. Well, He could, and He does, but emotional blessings, spiritual blessings, relational blessings, whatever you need, He is going to provide for you. And he's always going to outgive you. You can't outgive him. And again, there's an amazing thing about our God, the true God. He's loving. He's generous. He wants us to give to him in order that he might have our heart. Now, in Malachi, uh, there was, again, the Israelites, and Malachi was a prophet who spoke to them and helped them to understand that they were rebelling against him because back in that day, uh, in Malachi, who was a prophet, they weren't very close to God. They gave God their leftovers. They were just kind of going through the motions. Now, when they were told to bring the first fruits of the firstborn, like with the firstborn, they'd find the most sickly lamb that they could find. And that was blind, one leg broken, you know, just off the edge of life. And they would bring that to the Lord because they were selfish. They wanted to keep the best lamb, the first lamb, for themselves. And there was all other types of sins that they were entering into. So God really got serious with them. He wanted them to come back to him. He wanted their hearts, so we read here, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. Like before this, God said, you're robbing me. You're robbing me. The money that you are to give to me, you're not giving it, so you're robbing me. So he puts up a challenge. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse. What's a storehouse? Well, back in that day, it was the temple. Today... It's our churches, right? You bring the full tithe into the storehouse. And that's how we operate as a church. That's the way God designed the system. We don't get a lot of donations from other people, all right, that are outside this church. This is the family that provides for this ministry. And God puts you here so you could give generously so that lives would be changed. I mean, there's nothing better to give to than the church, to God. I mean, when you really become engaged in a church, like we have small group open enrollment, when you become part of a small group and, and start to make deeper friendships, oh, it's so satisfying. It's your support group in life. And we have a lot of different small groups, so I would challenge you to be part of one. And when we get involved in ministering, we start to use our spiritual gift and we just experience that joy of being able to help someone else, teach someone else. I was just talking with uh, Liesl Kay. There she is. <laughs> yeah. uh, Liesl Kay has served, I believe, eight years in our, uh, you're always with the toddlers, or eight years sentence with the toddlers. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? And she also serves in Awana. Now, there's a woman who is investing in the right place, right? Amen. She's laying up treasure in heaven. She's 
bearing fruit in that way. So again, that's the first principle. You give to God first. And then you give, well, you give to His church. The storehouse. Now, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'll give 5% uh, to the church. And I'll give 3% to this organization that, uh, you know, you know, based on the gospel. And then I'll give 2% to some missionary. But that's not what God says. He says you bring the full 10% into the storehouse, and you be faithful in that. And then there's offerings on top of the tithe. So once you're given 10%, then you have that option to go and support other ministries and missionaries. Because God said, this church needs your support. This is your church. This is the place where you come to be spiritually nourished to experience corporate worship, or to raise your children in a godly way. That's the best investment, certainly, you can make. That there may be food in my house. So he says, I want you to do this. And thereby put me to the test. It says in the Bible you should never put God to a test. But here he's saying, go ahead and test me, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no end. If you respond properly to God, you are going <laughs> to you're going to have your socks blessed off, right? Because it's going to keep coming. That's the nature of our walk with God. Put me to the test, and he will pour out blessings. Hmm. Now, maybe when you think about that, you say, 10%? You've got to be crazy. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people say, well, that's, that's Old Testament giving. You know, I'm in the New Covenant, so I'm going to give liberally. Well, think about it. People in the Old Testament, they had God. But we have been saved by Jesus Christ, our Savior. And we have received the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And we are really the most blessed Christ followers in history. Because we've got all this history to look back on. We have the full Bible that we can read. In the New Testament, they can only read the, the Torah the letters that Paul or whoever would send. But we got the whole thing, and we got it on our computers. We got it on our phones. It's there. We got great teachers, podcasts, whatever. You know, it's all there for us. Now tell me, if the floor of giving in the Old Testament was 10%, why would you give any less? Actually, they... Had a couple of different offerings during the year. They gave 23% of their income to God. But 10% is like the floor. So after all that Jesus Christ has done for us, eh, I'm going to give him 5%. That doesn't make any sense, does it? No, it doesn't. He wants you to give that tithe so that he will have your heart and that he can help you to grow spiritually in that way. Go to the next slide. 
These are giving trends across the nation. So typical people who go to church, uh, uh, 15% of the people give 10% or more to households. 20% of the people give 5% or more. And 15% of the people give 3% or more. And 50% of the people give 2% or less. Now, that's very common in churches, and unfortunately, it's common here as well. You see, there, there's a maturation process that happens as you grow as a disciple. And you get to this particular decision. Many people just won't make the decision because they don't trust God. Because that's, you've got to have faith that God can provide if you're going to give 10% to Him, Right? It stretches your faith, but it produces wonderful things, wonderful things that transform our lives. You know, we have the program insert, and it's green. And if you look at it, you'll see that it talks about God's guarantee. It's a partnership between you. Thank you, dear. And God. So, what we're basically saying here is we want to encourage you to take that faith step of tithing, if you're not doing that already. We want you to take that step. And, and basically, we have protected you. You have insurance if things go bad, if God doesn't come through. It says, first you decide to commit the first 10% of your weekly income to the storehouse. After that 90 days, if it has created a financial crisis or you did not receive a blessing, your money will be returned. You can't lose with this kind of thing. And we've taught this throughout the years, and people have you know, stepped out in faith, and they have been blessed. In fact, nobody's asked for their money back, but you really could. Really, just come to me and tell me about your experience. And, okay, write the person a check. Right? It's just a, kind of an interesting way to challenge us to do something we normally wouldn't do. Because, you see, we're all at different levels of maturity. And some are here, new Christ followers. Some are here, maybe just casual Christians. And, but I tell you, when you decide to give God what He has asked... You are going to grow. Now you're saying, wait a second, Dan. 10%? Do you realize how much I had, would have to reorganize my finances and reprioritize? Do you realize that maybe I couldn't have that expensive coffee every day? I might have to give up cable TV or even my season sport tickets. Dan, you're asking me to do something that's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy because it's an eternal mindset. And God has blessed you. He's given you money to manage. And He wants you to honor Him first. And when you do that, you're going to find that a lot of things will start changing in your spiritual life. You'll feel closer to God. You'll have to be more dependent upon Him. I'd like to bring Bill Atkinson out at this time. And Bill has been with us for a long time. He's one of our elders and has led small groups over the years. And I uh, just wanted to tell his story. 
phone is not working. So, <laughs> like uh, most of you, um, there's been uh, events in my life that have uh, profoundly influenced the rest of my life. Uh, for me, um, graduating optometry school um, that day uh, impacted my career as an optometrist the rest of my life. The day I met my wife, Becky, um, put me on a journey of uh, how it impacted how I would be with somebody for the, or be with this person for the rest of my life. But 19 years ago, we had an event happen to us that um, impacted our lives more than anything else that had ever happened before. And some of you that have been here for a while, you've heard versions of this story and uh, over the years. Um, but today I'd like to kind of maybe put a different perspective on it. And, uh, you know, I kind of think some stories are probably worth telling more than once. So about 19 years ago, Becky and I were new believers in Christ. And we were attending another church, but we decided to start attending Springbrook. And we weren't here very long, and uh, Pastor Dan had started a series on giving, very similar to the series he's doing right now. And that was the first time in our lives that we'd heard what God and what Jesus had to say about money and giving. And uh, we didn't realize that really Jesus spoke and talked about giving uh, more than any other subject in the Bible. So I don't think, uh, so 2,000 years things haven't changed very much, and I think I know why Jesus was talking about that, because I know for myself and probably a lot of you, money is a pretty high priority on our list, and and I think about it a lot, or I, I did think about it a lot for sure. But God's got that different perspective, as Dan was just talking about. His perspective is, hey, I need to be number one in your life, uh, not money. And what he wants is us to wholly trust him with every aspect and even our wallets. So I remember hearing, just like today, I remember hearing these crazy words come out of Dan's mouth, like 10% of your income and... Things like that. And I remember hearing that and saying, there's no way. We don't have any extra money. We, you know, we've got student loans. We've got a new mortgage. There's just no way this is going to happen. So the, for the first time in our lives, Becky and I decided to pray. And we decided we needed to be giving something, but how much? And so we started to pray. And uh, after we prayed for a while, Becky felt like uh, God was impressing on her a certain number on what we should give over the next year. And I felt like God was really putting a percentage in my mind. And uh, if the Bible said 10%, that's what we should probably do. And so that's what I said. And and when we compared, those numbers were exactly the same. So we said, wow, this must be from God. And so we decided to commit to this. And we didn't have any idea where this money was going to come from. We didn't, like I said, we didn't have anything extra But we decided to step out in faith and let God provide and see what would happen. Well, it probably wasn't even about a week later, and we got a visit from uh, Becky's grandfather. And I probably only met this guy maybe three times, you know, while we were together. And uh, one of those times was at our wedding, so I really hardly even knew the guy. And so while he was there, before he left that afternoon, he said, you know, I've got a gift for you guys. And he handed us an envelope and had a check in there for the exact dollar amount for what we had committed for the next year. (laughs) Pretty cool. 
So God showed up. You know, he didn't waste any time. He was there. That one event has changed our life more than anything. For the first time, we realized God was real. He was there. And now we can't even really imagine our lives without God. You know, he's my best, most intimate friend. I talk to him every single day. And when things are going great, he celebrates with me. When things aren't going so well, he kind of lifts me up. He gives me this inner joy that I shouldn't have because everything seems like it's falling apart. He's with me when I'm backstage there freaking out, coming out on stage here. <laughs> He's a great guy. It, it, that one event got us to the point where we had a heart to serve. So Becky and I are part of the marriage ministry. We do Samaritan's Purse. We, we um, do Thanksgiving baskets. And uh, I'm part of the board. It's not because we have any obligation or guilt to do this. It's because we love God. And we, we want to show gratitude to Jesus. He did much more for us. We just want to serve him. That one event made it so real that God knows us so personally that he'd do that for us. And he knows all of that, you know, and, and he runs the universe and he does that. So I talk to you today, I tell you this, not, not to make you think that we're anything special. This is just our story. We stepped out in faith and this is how God provided for us. And uh, if I can motivate any of you to make that step, to commit, I, I just I can't wait to hear how God has blessed you and how he changes your life. And so next time you can be up here <laughs> telling your story instead of me. So thanks a lot. Have a great day. And friends, you know, if you're not a Christ follower, this doesn't apply to you. You don't have to give anything, okay? Because you haven't been saved by Jesus Christ. This was really weird. Oh, they're talking about money. Church needs money and all that kind of stuff. No, we're talking about one of the most difficult areas to give to God. Jesus taught on it more than anything. And I'm teaching it so that you might be blessed. Because I know every person who's... Take the tithing challenge, you know. They've been blessed. They've been blessed. So I just encourage you to think about it. In fact, you can take your green sheet out, and if you'd like to make that commitment, uh, you can uh, sign your name at the bottom and say, I will begin tithing. Or if you're already tithing, maybe you want to step up to the liberal giver. God raises our standard of giving to, mat- to increase our standard of giving, right? Think about it that way. That's an eternal type of mindset. So we're going to have our ushers come forward just in a moment here. But first of all, I know that a lot of people, this seems impossible because they're struggling with debt. Their, their finances seem to be kind of not, not in place. They don't have a handle on it. Well, we want to help you here at Springbrook to get your finances in order, to honor God in them, and enjoy His provision. So we're starting a Financial Peace University class on Tuesdays, starting, I believe, February 2nd. And this is great stuff. Why don't you take a look? Financial Peace. We all want it. For a while, 
I didn't have it. 20 years ago, I hit rock bottom. I lost just about everything. I turned to God for help, and I learned how to handle money His way. As you can imagine, it worked. That's why I started Financial Peace University, because God's ways work. Whether you're in over your head or you're doing okay right now, if you bring home $10,000 or $10 million, if you're 21 or 61, we all need a plan. Millions of people have been through Financial Peace University. They have success stories of their own. They've learned how to get rid of debt, prepare for generations to come, and give like crazy. Your success story, your financial peace is up to you. Now is your time. It's time to take control of your money. It's time to get ready for what God has for you. It's time for financial peace. I would so much encourage you to take that class if you haven't. How many have taken financial peace? Yeah, quite a few out there. How many would recommend it? Yeah, everybody recommends it, right? Uh, it's just a wonderful way uh, to establish how you handle your money, budgeting and investing and saving and all those different types of things, but from God's perspective. Uh, so I would just encourage you. Well, that's nine Tuesdays. Well, I tell you what, those nine Tuesdays are going to save you a whole lot of money, right? Enable you to give even more. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you. Thank you that uh, you challenge us when our selfish nature says, no. But Lord, when we do obey you through the power of the Spirit, you give those blessings. And I pray for anyone here who's uh, just thinking about it. I pray that you would just lead them to make this decision. To give to you first. In Christ's name, amen.